Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly roundup of the best of Bailiwick sport. And it's a big week for darts in the islands with more than 80 players set to descend on the Mermaid Tavern for the Herm Open, the highlight of the local calendar. A full interview with organiser Caroline Latouche coming up and darts journalist Roger Spencer joined her as well. <laughs> it's fair to say he's taken quite a shine to the event since it began a few years ago. An enjoyable conversation with them ahead of a big week, I'm sure, over in Herm. Um, my name is Tony Kerr and with me this week is Gareth Prevo. Hi, Tony. And Jamie Ingram. Hi, Tony. Great to see you, chaps. Um, let's start with our picks of the week. Uh, Gareth, what stood out for you this week? Um, certainly being back down and being able to watch some hockey uptons, Tony. It's the first time in sort of three or four years which they've actually been able to take place because of the pandemic and what have you. But um, it was great to see um, two quality Jersey sides come over and take over uh, take on the, the Guernsey champions in both uh, women's and men's competitions. Um I must admit, sort of going down um, to watch and seeing Panthers in their sort of first Upton for 14 years, I was always going to be quite interested to see how they get on because um, it's been a very competitive women's league over here recently. And um, I must admit, I thought they were absolutely brilliant for the first quarter of an hour or so. That's as well as I've ever seen Panthers play. I thought they were really, really good. They took the lead through their, their captain, Karen Riga Vorster, and they played just some outstanding sort of simple hockey that's that, that was the key to it they weren't trying to do anything fancy they um, knocked the ball around really well um, and they deservedly took the lead as you'd expect though from uh, any sort of Jersey club side uh, Quackers the Jersey women's champions um, just sort of settled into the game got a foothold in the game and um, were level by half time they went on and showed their strength in the second half it wasn't overly surprising to see them lift the trophy in the end they, they won 4-1 but um, I, I think Panthers can be really proud of the way they played. It was, it was a big occasion for them. Um, very few of their players are used to that sort of occasion. They've got a couple of sort of like the Island squad, but um, it was just great for them. And um, I'm sure it's given them the appetite to, to want more. The one thing I'd, I'd say about that women's game is it, it sort of perhaps shows the um, the difference in having a, a coach on the sidelines. That's the one thing in sort of domestic hockey, in club hockey, you don't really have a coach on the sidelines, it's just basically you, you, the the match squad turns up and plays, and they sort of rotate. When, whenever anyone's feeling tired, they rotate. Um, the Jersey Club Quackers um, had the had the fortune of having sort of CI hockey legend Sheila Herbert on the on the touchline, and she she was able to give her expertise and sort of like um, she made a couple of minor tactical tweaks at half time, and it really paid off. And I, I do sort of wonder if Panthers had like a guiding eye just on the sideline during the game. It might have helped them a bit. Um, but yeah, like I say, I think they could be really proud of their, their performance. Um, but it's also great that uh, Guernsey won the won the men's competition. Um, Yobos are champions, uh, played Crusaders, and it was a debut in the Upton for both clubs. Uh, Crusaders are like a new, well, they're like a resurrected club in Jersey because um, OVs used to just dominate the league and they used to basically hammer everyone all season and be the representatives in the Upton. And OVs used to win the Upton fairly regularly as well. Uh, they've decided to sort of like split up their their uh, side and it's made it a far more competitive league in Jersey by all accounts and um, but they were they were a good outfit um, but Yobos came out 2-0 winners deservedly so on the day they were the better side um, Matt Stokes gave them the lead with he, he hit a half volley like he'd hit a cover drive for the Ireland cricket team he just absolutely nailed it and um, it thundered into the back of the net to give them the lead and uh, second half Johnny Clark uh, doubled it with a 
with another short corner routine. But uh, it was a great game. And um, I must admit, it was quite funny at one point, though, seeing um, Tom Miller, who's the Jersey captain and also the Crusaders captain. He's, he's a bit of an old friend of ours because he used to work for, used to be my counterpart at the JP in, in Jersey. He was their uh, deputy sports editor uh, a few years ago. Um, he's a really nice guy, Tom. He's got a fantastic engine on him. He, he sort of plays the whole game. He played the whole game in midfield and never looked particularly tired. Fair play to him for that. But um, his brother, Pete, who's like the best player in the Channel Islands currently, he used to play for Wimbledon in the Premier Division. He was umpiring and it was like almost anti-nepotism at some points because uh, <laughs> so there was a couple of times Tom got penalised by Pete for sort of fouls. And I, was, I looked at him and thought, oh, that's harsh. And a couple of times Tom would just look at Pete as if to say, how on earth are you giving that against me? And it was—I just found it quite funny, really. It was—it uh, was just really nice. Um, yeah, you, can't, you, you certainly can't excuse Peter being biased in the jerseys um, direction. Settling some old brotherly scores, well, perhaps he was, yeah. But uh, no, it was. Um, there was just some really great hockey played on the day, and it's just—it was just nice atmosphere as well, just to have sort of like inter-island rivalry with enough bite to it, but no, nothing ever went over the top. It never got sort of like handbags or anything like that. And um, no, it was, it was great to see, and it was a, it was a joy being down there at Foot Lane last week. Yeah, congratulations to Yobbe's. Shout out to young Dan Brown in goal. Um, we, we sat alongside him uh, at the uh, the Kobo end of season dinner uh, on the on Friday, Friday night, night yeah. um, in which he enjoyed, but obviously you know kept it within reason and, uh, yeah. and played his part in a, in a big win on Saturday. Yeah, so. he kept a clean sheet. Actually, to be fair to to Dan and a couple of the other young lads from college who play for Yobbo's, certainly um, George Larue as well. They had really good games. I think they they didn't show any signs of nerves, considering it it was a big occasion. For, sort of like the biggest club occasion in the in the Channel Islands. Um, so um, I thought they they did really well. But yeah, Dan can walk away proud of keeping a clean sheet after keeping you company the night before. <laughs> yeah, always a good effort. Um, yeah, and I just thought down at Fitzlane on Saturday with GFC at home, um, St Jack's um, yeah, blitzing their match. You know, it was under just kind of perfect blue sky. It was a really nice, awesome afternoon. Yeah, it was, it was quite a, it was a strange experience. So like about uh, at halftime in the men's game, sort of just sort of glancing over to St. Jack's. And, I mean, halftime in hockey is literally only five minutes. It's, it's no more than that. I think I saw St. Jack's score about three tries in that time. <laughs> it was quite quite weird, really. They, they um, scored 99 points against Gosport and Fairham seconds. Um, but uh, yeah, so St. Jack's are sort of five from five. But it, it, yeah, it was a bit uh, surreal seeing every time I looked up a try being scored. Yeah, hopefully we'll catch up with St. Jack's on the pod soon. Um, Jamie, I think you're a little further away at the weekend. Um, yeah, what's your <laughs> yeah, um Yeah, so I was somewhere quite different on Saturday afternoon. I was down at the motocross track. Uh, I mean, it's quite an impressive spectator sport, motocross. You get to see, you get to see some quality competitors getting really good airtime and sort of battling it out. Um, although in recent years, it's been a bit down on numbers. So I think the main story for me that day was seeing uh, Sam Batiste, who won the title in 2006 and basically hasn't competed regularly since, making his comeback. Um I mean, he hasn't wasted any time getting back into it. He is placing second overall effectively in every single race. But he's also made a nice little family thing out of it. You've got his six-year-old son, Seth, doing his own races on his little autobike. Uh, You've got his wife, Gemma, who's an island basketball and netball player supporting. And I mean, it just showcases their wide appeal 
the, the like wider appeal that the sport can have for different people. Uh, yeah, he was quite open in that he wants to see more people get into the sport. So I think it's quite nice that he's uh, taking action on that and get himself back involved. And hopefully you can see a few more faces down that Littrigal, as they call it. Yeah, it's great to see people who obviously have a sort of love for their sport, you know, kind of wanting to, I suppose, sort of, yeah, help grab it by the scruff of the neck and 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 uh, I suppose bring it to the level that they want to see it at. So yeah, good good for him. And I agree with you; it is a, a cracking spectacle. Um, I love it, playing one. Right, uh, that's it for part one. Coming up next, we'll be talking darts. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. If you're not already, do give us a follow on social media at GSY Press Sport is the place to go on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, hit follow or subscribe wherever you're getting your podcast as well to get each episode delivered straight to you. And as ever, make sure you pick up a paper six days a week for the best local sports coverage. Um, if you're reading your paper on Thursday, you'll be uh, seeing some darts on the back page because, Jamie, it's a, a big week for the sport. Yeah, so uh, the Home Open, it's not really an event that which has been running for all that long a uh, time. But yeah, in, it's very quickly established itself as kind of a highlight of the annual darts calendar. Uh, you'll get quality players from all over Channel Island scrapping out with some quality visitors from England. Um, we will have two new winners this year in their men's main men's competitions. That's the Classic and the Open uh, due to the absence of reigning champion Jim Daly. Um, <laughs> He was quite impressive to watch last year. He had some real comeback victories. and But he was a massive gentleman. He won quite a lot of prize money, but it, he gave it all back to the mermaid aid staff, which was a lovely gesture. Yeah, so we'll see who can take over his name on the trophy. Yeah, you can see why they enjoy it over there. I mean, was it three days um, locked in the mermaid playing some darts and I'm sure enjoying themselves afterwards. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you'd enjoy that. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, I've been over once before. I couldn't stay, unfortunately, for the Saturday night I had to, to get back. But um, yeah, something I'd definitely like to do at some point for sure. Um, well, we wanted to talk a bit more about it with organiser Caroline Latou. She's um, been the driving force um, behind local darts for a little while. And Jamie, at an exciting time for the sport, which we're going to hear about. And uh, she was joined as well by Roger Spencer, um, a darts journalist who um, I think has been to every edition of the Herm Open um, mm. so far. A really nice guy, Roger. And he's, <laughs> you know, for, for what is quite sort of, I suppose, far flung and uh, relatively, as far as the British Isles is concerned, exotic um, location for a darts competition. Um, he has definitely taken a shine to it. Um, yeah, it's really uh, nice to hear his enthusiasm about the event. Um, anyway, yeah, we spoke to them um, before they travelled over to home. Caroline, Roger, welcome to the pod. Good morning. Great to see you. A massive week for darts in Guernsey. You know, one of the highlights of the calendar. You're all heading over to Herm, decamping to Herm for the weekend. Caroline, tell us what it's all about. So... Um, there's probably about nearly 100 of us going over and for darts and then we just play, play, play. So Thursday, we've got the pairs, a lottery pairs event. On the Friday, we've got the Herm Classic starting at one o'clock in the afternoon. In the evening is the mixed three aside and then on the Saturday is the Herm Open and then the evening it's all the finals and then the after party. I bet that's a good one. Oh, it is. It is. It is. Three, four o'clock in the morning, we'll finish. Good stuff. Uh, if Roger, we're lucky. I didn't say what morning either. <laughs> uh, Roger, you've been to uh, every one of these, I think. I have, yeah. Been... Um, yeah, and you've, you've obviously seen a lot of darts in your time. What makes it a special event? What keeps you coming back? I think it's actually, it's not just the fact it's going to people. You get some from Jersey. We're now starting to get some from the UK. But there's a real, a real camaraderie about it. And actually, it's one of those events where... As soon as the event finishes, everyone's looking forward to next year. 
And that, I think that's one of the pulls of, of me coming back is it's not just a case of we've, we've, we've played the competition, right, what competition have we got next week? And it, and it is a proper weekend where everybody's there and everyone gets on and it's, it's a joy to be invited to to come and take part in it. Yeah, brilliant. And, and for you, Caroline, I mean, as far as darts in Guernsey goes, is it the pinnacle of the, of the year? Oh, it's the highlight of the Guernsey calendar, I'd say. And it's sold out again this year. So, yeah, doing well. We yeah. just do with more rooms, but I don't think people really want to camp. <laughs> That's not too bad at the moment. And yeah, in terms of the the quality on show, how do you sense that that things are kind of evolving? Is it is it getting better every year? Oh yeah, it's well supported. And this year, I don't think me and Roger, we can't even think who'd win it. Eh? No, I think it's, it's very close. Eh? Very open. I think the first couple of years we could sort of narrow it down in both the men's and the ladies, sort of three or four that you think you'd expect to win it. But this this year, it's literally pick, it's pick a number out of a hat and. You, you just don't know, which is actually great for the competition because it's not it's not a guarantee. Everyone that comes over feels they've got a chance. If they have a good run, they can win it. And that's that's what you want from any competition, really. So, I think it'll be hard. The top players are going to find it extremely hard, extremely hard this year, especially with the English that coming over as well. Eh? So that'll make a difference. We've got some of the top men from Jersey as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be... I think it'd be different this year. And also we've got the ordinary guys that came over last year. Two of them got to the semis and they're, bring, they're bringing more people over this year as well, which is actually better for, it's great for them as well, but also just highlights exactly what Caroline does for the event, that we can now attract people, not just from Guernsey, not just from Jersey, but from a, from further afield. Yeah, as far as Middlesbrough, isn't it? Middlesbrough, yeah. I've been yeah. the frozen northeast of England. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And I mean, as far as the event goes, is it is it kind of reached capacity now? I mean, is it just about improving the quality? You can't really kind of build on the scale of it? We could probably take more players, but we've got to get them in the right rooms because we've run out of accommodation. So as long as you've got more players than you have spectators booked in, but we're at capacity, really. Everything's full. And I suppose you, you Everything's know, full. You're not going to take it away from her because that's what part of what makes it so special. So no, we can we can use the cottages at the top of the hill. The problem is people don't want to walk to the top of the hill. But <laughs> we have got two cottages at the top taken, so there is capacity if people wanted to be at the top of the hill. But when it finishes so late at night, it's not good and it's pitch black and people having to walk back. It's not. It can be a bit of a challenge game. It's a bit dangerous, sure, I'd say. Sure. <laughs> the five-minute walk might take 15 as well. Yeah. I think longer than that, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, actually, taking a step back and looking at the history of, of the event and sort of what it's become, uh, I know we've got loads of amazing venues around the Bailiwick to play darts, but it has become the Herm Open and it's become re really successful in that format. I mean, yeah, firstly, how did the competition come about? And secondly, why is Herm sort of a perfect venue for it? Um, we were approached by Tom from The Mermaid about doing something over there. And then I went and have a meeting with a couple of the other guys. Mark Fletcher and Lee Smith came with me. And that's how it all started. We, they put it to me to arrange it. And that's what I've been doing ever since. <laughs> you roll your eyes. Yeah, 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 yeah. They leave it to me. Yeah. And would well. you say having it in Herm adds like a greater sense of occasion to it? I think, well, it's the Herm Open, so it's mm. got to be in Herm. Um, people love it, eh? Oh, yeah. Oh, honestly, they can't wait <laughs> to go. I mean, it's been months and months and, yeah. And the, the thing is, this is this isn't like what, what Caroline's saying. This is not, not sort of like two or three weeks before the event. We're talking January, February, March. <laughs> They're looking looking forward to it. And that's, that's the best. 
that's just proof of exactly what Caroline does, is the fact that, you know, eight, nine months in advance, people are already saying, well, you know, can't wait for October, can't wait for October, and that's... We'll know on Saturday if we're going to do next year. The dates will be in place for next year. If it's going ahead, we will... The dates will be out there. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah. And, and Roger, just give us a, a flavour of your experience in darts because um, you come over obviously because you love it, but also, is it a working trip? It, yeah, it is for me. It's, it's in, in, in many ways, not just... The, the main priority is to help Caroline to make sure that the event runs the way it does. And obviously what we've alluded to sort of uh, is testament to how Caroline runs it. But obviously because I write the, I write a column for the Channel Lines for Darts World, so it, it gives me a chance to actually include it as a separate feature where I can. Obviously I have to sort of twist the editor's arm, a bit, a bit like what you have to do here, isn't it really? <laughs> um, but, you know, they, they, they love the fact that when the pandemic was on, darts wasn't really being played apart from online. Guernsey was actually playing darts how he should be in pubs, in clubs and everything else. So it was an absolute godsend for, for them. They were actually reporting on proper, what I call proper live darts. So it's, it, it just, and it just helps to push and promote Guernsey and the Channel Islands. That yes, we do play darts here. The standard is good. Let's write about it. So yeah, fantastic. And actually because of the pandemic, you ended up spending a little longer than expected, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think in Herm last year. Yeah, about three weeks, wasn't it? Yeah. I think I worked out the last two trips. I think I was here for like some like forty odd days. I think I was actually only out for about ten of them. <laughs> That's amazing. But, yeah. And uh, you know, in terms of where sort of Guernsey darts kind of figures nationally and um, the sort of reputation it has, is it growing? I think it is. Yeah, definitely. It's with with other other things that have been happening. Guernsey is now getting known. Part the, the column helps helps that, but it's. We, it's, it's not just a case of Guernsey just go and do their own thing. People are now taking notice of what they're doing off the hockey as well with with everything Caroline's doing and other things that she's organising, but also with the players. Because of these extra opportunities, they're now getting more chance to showcase their talent to everybody. So Yeah, brilliant. And yeah, Caroline, um, so Roger alluded to there, there's been some, yeah, I suppose, big developments away from the hockey in the last year or two. Um, tell us about that. Well, we've, we've just um, entered the Europe Cup in Spain, but at that time as well, I had to go over to get our full um, membership to the World Darts Federation. So I had to sit in an AGM and state our case and put it forward. And yes, we're fully there now, fully members of the World Darts Federation. And what does that mean for the sport here? So um, obviously we've entered the Europe Cup. Next year, it's uh, the World Cup. So you get those every year. You can enter the Masters, which is in December. Um, yeah, there's all sorts. You'd be ranked and everything. Yeah, get ranking points for every tournament you go to. Um, hopefully, hopefully, I will be doing a Guernsey Open, which will be ranked. I'm looking at silver, but let's see. And it will be ranked, so we'll get some of the top players over for that. So hopefully, maybe within a year. But let's see how I go. I've got a lot going on next year. <laughs> a lot of things. The internationals, we've got an internationals. That's a first time thing. This was meant to happen in 2020, but with the pandemic, we should have been in the Isle of Man and it got cancelled. Um, so it's starting in Guernsey in January, the last weekend in January. And it's between Ireland, Isle of Man, Jersey and Guernsey. So it's an internationals event. So they're all coming over to us and it's being held at St. Pierre Park. Yeah. So I've got that to organise as well. And then obviously we've got our Interinsula, which will go ahead as a proper Interinsula in April. Then in May, 
we're doing something with Alderney. Um, so this will be a yearly thing as well, but we're going to them first. So we'll field a couple of teams and play Alderney just so they've got something because we couldn't incorporate them in our normal interinsula because it would be too much. So we're doing it separate. So every year we'll do Alderney as well. And that's the last weekend in May every year. So it's a busy time. Very busy. Speaking about your recent trip to Spain, I mean, it must have been an amazing experience for starters. But um, also, you're playing at a very high level against some top quality players. And to be fair on Guernsey, you managed, you were part of a team that managed to beat Romania in we their were. women's competition. We were. I mean, how did that feel? Oh, it was great. We So you're in a, a group of four yeah. and it's a knockout basis. So you play every team in that group. Um, our first team was the Netherlands, which are top one of the top teams, aren't they, I Roger? I think they actually finished runners-up. So that's they, they, so, basically between them and England, generally maybe with the Welsh and the Scottish. So. so, And it's the first to nine points, so you can play every player. It's only a leg per game, so for each of us. Anyway, um, so we got two points out of that one, which is really good. Debbie Hammer actually beat Anka, <laughs> which, honestly, Anka Ziltra, brilliant. Top player, top. She must be ranked... She, She's she got to be ranked. top eight, eh? Well, just, just to go back in, into history, Anker Zeister is one of those players, if you've got a ranking tournament... She's the one that you don't want in the early rounds because she's good enough to knock a, a seed out. And I think in 2016, she was actually a quarter-finalist at Lakeside in the World Championship. So she's got quality coming out of, of, of everywhere. She's a big name. And so for Debbie to, to knock over a big name like that just yeah. elevates everything that... And, yeah, and they must have got so much confidence from that. It was so on that game when we were playing the Netherlands, we took two legs off them, so we lost nine two. The next one was um, Denmark, and we took four legs off them, so we lost four nine. And then the Romanian one, we could have done it quicker, but we beat them nine five. But it could have been quite easily nine three. <laughs> but it was missed doubles. And to be honest, it was missed doubles for the women all over the place. Me and Debbie were paired up and we had to play the top seeds, which was um, Bo, eh? Bo Greaves yep. and Dita Hedman. Anyway, we could have had the first and the fourth legs, eh? but we just couldn't mm. finish. I think it was playing those sort of players. You stood there. It was much harder for them because they don't know us and they're thinking, oh, it's an easy game, but it's not an easy game for them because they don't know. Um, but for us, it was the awe of the moment. We just could not hit a double. Mm. Yet we could have taken legs one and four to make it a bit longer, but we lost 4-0. And, and when you consider Dieter is the most successful lady player of all time, she's won, I think, over 200 ranking events. And Bo is the current world champion. So just, just for Caroline and Debbie to play as well as they did, it would have been very easy for them to be enrolled over in no time. They give them a real game. And I think they acknowledge that afterwards as well. Oh, they, they did, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know... It's there's a um, opening ceremony as well at these events. So, forty one teams there was there. So forty one nations, wasn't there? Mm -hmm. And you all have to walk on in a group with your flag and photos. It's really done absolutely properly, just like any other sport. But do you know our shirts made a statement? Everybody wanted <laughs> our dark shirts. So there was quite a lot of swapping that went on with us. So I think I've got a Netherlands one because they wanted an anchor swap with Tracy. Yeah. Muddy got an England one, which... And I've been really asking for four have. years and I haven't had one yet. <laughs> no, we're, You're still we haven't given a Guernsey one yet, but they wanted to swap with us because... And the photos they took of our shirt, because it is an amazing shirt. We've got this big donkey on the back. 
just it's really good hearing about that experience and and yeah the the performances that the guys put in there i mean how much potential have we got in guernsey to to be sort of challenging at these kind of events i think it's it's one of those things you've it's you needed to you needed to play it the first time to see where you need where you are and where you need to get to now the incentive is there because you, you, I think next year the, the World Cup's in Denmark, potentially in three years' time the World Cup's in South Korea. They're places that I'd want to go to if I was a player. The next Europe Cup's in Slovakia, I think. Yes, I think, well. I think yeah. it was in England. I think they, they lost the venue, so they've, they've moved it. But now the incentive is there for players. It's not, you've got your, your leagues, your bread and butter, which is important. You've got your inter-inter, which is important, but you've now got that next level as well where you, you, you're testing yourself every other year, either against the best in Europe or the best in the world. That what, What's not to like yeah, about it? Yeah, it's an exciting it, prospect, yeah. for sure. And it, I mean, it does seem like the leagues are flourishing as well locally. I mean, so participation-wise around the country or around the British Isles, Roger, I mean, you know, when, when you see darts on TV, it seems like it's as big as it's ever been, you know, the, the, the oh, without sport doubt. Yeah. in the last, you know, whatever, X number of years. But participation-wise, is it sort of matched there? Is it a growing sport? I think it is, yeah, because I think when, when you're watching people play in the, um, in the PDC world, for example, you always get it's a bit like with, with, with uh, Wimbledon, for example. Someone plays a British player plays well at Wimbledon. People want to start playing tennis because they want to emulate that player. And I think it's the same, it's the same in all sports, really. And, and darts is no different to that. They, they see what's going on, and it attracts new people to the sport. And they think, yeah, where can we start? And here you've got you've got some good thriving leagues that they can join, become a part of it, and then and then move from there. So. And we've got a lot of new players coming through as well. We've got youngsters coming through. We've got three or four in ours. Adam's got three or four in his as well. So hopefully, because we can send youths to the Masters and stuff like this, and to a Europe Cup, they do a youth Masters, you know, Europe Cup as well. But we've got to have these players. So, I mean, we've got three really good ones in ours, I have to say. But And then we've got the youngest as well, Chelsea. She's only 12. So it's just teaching them, you know, it's... Hopefully, we need all these new because us oldies are going to have to finish. <laughs> <laughs> Just with consideration to the youth aspect of a sport, because you've got quite a lot of elite. I mean, we've got a few solid leagues locally which are team based in which they can't play because they're based in pubs, etc. But I know you you've got a very strong individual league, as does Adam. I mean, yeah, what is kind of their pathway for like younger players to get involved? The only way they can get involved at the moment is the individual leagues because the other two leagues, they could have youngsters, but they've chosen not to have youngsters um, because even though it is based in pubs, they're, they're based, some of the le teams play from the legions and, and they can go in the legions and they can go in the football clubs. It's just they couldn't go to a normal pub. Mm. So, but those leagues have chosen not to take the youngsters, whereas us, we've chosen to take the youngsters. And, you know, what happens with us is we, we nurture these youngsters and they turn 18 and then they go and play in the leagues so we lose them. <laughs> but it's always the way. That's what you've got to do. You've got to teach them how to do this. And, yeah, it's that's the only leagues they can play in. There's not many pubs that we use now. Yeah. So we use the uh, legions, the social clubs and things like that and the football clubs. Because it's just easier. Then you can have all ages in those, you see. But the pubs, it's a dying sport, really, in pubs, isn't it? That's, because, that's the same in London as yeah. well. So it's... I mean, there's a, uh, there's a team just started in town. They've moved theirs and they've gone to a pub in town which hasn't had darts for a long, long time. So they had their first match last night and it was interesting. <laughs> but we need the pubs to come on board as well because we do actually need venues. Mm. 
So if the pubs were to get involved a bit, especially in the week, we could do with... Just pubs in general. You don't see many pub games anymore. No, that, that, rarely that, do you even see a pool table, you know. Exactly. That. That's, that's what Caroline said there. That's the challenge all over the UK. Is we, something, one of the, the challenges that Guernsey have every year is with Calder, the City of London Arts Association, which I co-founded a decade ago. And that, the whole purpose of that was to get darts back in pubs in London. Because in the city, in, in the late 80s, 90s, you could go anywhere and there'll be a dartboard up. Now, you've, you've really, really got to struggle to find somewhere that has, and because they've gone to sort of get down the gastro. They've, they've worked what's right for them as a business, but it hasn't helped us as well. For us over here, I think what ruined it for us is drink driving. Because, <laughs> and it is. And it, you wouldn't be the only sport to say. It is, it is, because yeah. it used to be darts. That's why you had a lull in it, and it's coming back now. But darts used to be a working man's game. So they'd finish work, go to the pub, play darts, go home late. And that's how it was. And take their car. So when all that stopped, the drive, the drinking and the smoking, there was a lull for a while. But everybody's coming back now and they car share. But we just haven't got the venues now for teams to play out of. So that's why there's indivi big individual leagues now, because it's just easier. Um, just to come back finally to this weekend then, um, you know, you said at the top that it's tough to pick a winner. I mean, who are the main contenders? Mm. Um, putting us on the spot so, now, aren't you? <laughs> so I think I'll speak on behalf of the women, should yeah, I? Yeah, and I'll and you can do the, the men. list, yeah. Don't you look at the list, you should know it already. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many names I, to choose. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. On the day, you would think that our top two women at the moment, looking at ranking tables and everything, I would put Debbie and Tracy, Debbie Hammer and Tracy Ingall in there, looking at our ranking tables. The men's, for me, I would think, see, Mark Fletcher, very talented player, but in the f this is the fourth year, but in the first, the first three years, he's done nothing at the home open. So maybe it's his year, I don't know, but very good player. Very good player. It, it could what be. What does Roger think? It could be with, with, with Mark. It's every, some players have a bogey tournament. Dieter Hedman can never win the world title for some as. The, yeah. the talent she's got, she could just never win it. Maybe Mark's name is never going to be on one, on one of. I'm going to put pressure on him now. Yeah. <laughs> but it might be. This is the tournament he can win everything else, but this is the one tournament. No matter how hard he tries, he can just can't quite get over the line. But you had Jason Allblake last year came very very close. He was four nil down in the final, got back to four all, and it was. Well, Jason as well. He's had a shoulder up in recent years, so he's starting to come back and play really well. Um, the other, it just depends. Yeah, the, I mean, the other one you've got, for example, from aside from the from the Guernsey players, you've got Lewis Bell, who's been doing brilliantly on the JDC tour from Jersey, and eighty odd average, yeah. high eighty average, and he he's he's come a long, long way in a year, and because he's now playing at that level, pretty much at the elite, so he's going to fancy his chances of, of of going far. So you know, and, it, and, it, and it, even though he's only fifteen or sixteen, there's going to be players that are going to want to they're going to want to knock him over because they will see him as a threat to, to winning it. And See, a lot of the Europe players are there as well in this. So I think, yeah, all four women, all four Guernsey mm. women are at the home open. All four men. I no, Kyle can't make can't it. Make. I think three, so three of the four. Lee, Savadar, Ken Waters and... Darren Luxton. Darren Luxton are all there. Um, Jersey are bringing their Europe players over. Yeah. They've got their men there. So, and... Craig Kemard is another one that's good on his mm. day, but it just depends how... See, for Mark, I think as well, Mark is one of my helpers, so he helps set it up with Lee Smith. And sometimes when you're setting up everything, 
it's hard to get into your play. So, but maybe he's determined this year. So I'm going to put my money on Mark. Ah, we, there we go. Yeah. There um, we go. For the bet. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's going to be a fantastic uh, few days of competition. I think, Jamie, you're heading over. Yes, I am. Uh, so look after him, guys. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to give him too much drink. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure he writes the right thing. Well, we'll look forward to hearing uh, Jamie's report next week. I hope it goes really well. I'm sure Thank it will. You. Thank um, you. Uh, thanks Thank for coming you. in. Thank you. Caroline Latouche and Roger Spencer speaking to us there. Be interesting to see how, well, the weekend goes, but how darts um, develops over the next couple of years with that full membership of the World Dart Federation. Um, the exciting time for the sport here in the island. Uh, right, let's have a look at what's coming up. Uh, I think back to Foots Lane um, on Saturday, Gareth um, Raiders back on home soil. Yeah, it's a big game for Raiders. They, um, they've had their, their bye week, which I think they were looking forward to. And I think certainly Jordan Reynolds was to get a few players back. He's, they've had quite a lengthy injury list. But they've, um, they've got Westcliff visiting on Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock. And Westcliff are currently bottom of National 2 East. They, they've yet to win this season. Um, they've, they've actually had some decent results. They just haven't um, turned them into victories. But um, Raiders will certainly be looking at this one as, as one to win. They, they, they'd like to get a bit of momentum going and... Um, yeah, like I say, hopefully they'll have perhaps three or four players back um, if, if they've overcome their knocks. And uh, yeah, it, it'll be a big game for Raiders on Saturday. Yeah, meanwhile, St. Jack's Vikings uh, are actually away this weekend. They're playing Haven't, and that's a, a top-of-the-table clash in uh, Counties 3, Hampshire. Um, I think both sides are unbeaten. Certainly Vikings have won all their games. I, I don't think uh, Haven't have lost yet. So um, that'll be a, a real test of actually sort of where Vikings stand. It's... Um, since the restructuring of the leagues, you're sort of bound to get a few games which are a, a bit of a mismatch for for this season and perhaps next season. I mean, the way things are looking, you'd you'd expect Vikings to certainly be pushing for a promotion, if not if not gaining it this season. So, um, but I think this one could be a, a much sterner test than the one they faced last week. Um, well, best of luck to both those sides, the women as well, in action away from home this weekend in their first trip of the season. Uh, Jamie, we know where you're going to be this weekend. You're going to behave yourself. I'll try. <laughs> yeah. You're actually competing in the in the 5K at Summary Park on Friday evening, Jamie? Yes, I am. <laughs> Thank goodness that's ahead of your trip to home. I wouldn't like to see you try and compete, complete it after your trip to home. Well, best of luck on Friday night, Jamie, and best of luck in Thank you. the weekend. Um, well, that's it for now, I think, from us. Um, we'll be back on Monday with another football podcast, so keep an ear out for that if that's your thing. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony. 